Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. The impact of the body needs to continually be impacting our lives. Why? Because together, that work of the Holy Spirit within our lives becomes mighty and strong, an encouragement for each other. And again, each of us walking in humility, each of us seeking and finding a place to serve. And as believers, we have that great opportunity and we have a great position. Every one of us as believers, we have a great position. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you able to serve God? Do you have particular talents or abilities? All that we have is because of God. Therefore, there is no room for arrogance or pride or division for any possession or ability that we have. However, today, Pastor David reminds us that there is great room for rejoicing in the work of God in His church. Whenever we see God at work, it's a blessing and evidence that God chooses to dwell among us. So, It is by the Spirit of God that we find our direction and life. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Humble Temples. here in any local church body, whether they have a formal membership or not, we come together as, again, this portion, this small portion of the greater whole. We all, we all need to take serious our place, our position in the local body of believers. As I shared a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was on a, a Wednesday night that I shared with you just again, the concern that, hey, over, over the next few months, there, there needs to be some changes. We are 25 years within the work of the ministry here, and there's some things that we're doing the first time all over again, okay? The first time, one more time, and one more time, if you understand what I mean. It's like you, you get in a cycle. And I understand this. This happens in many churches. You, you get a program, the program is running great for a while, and then all of a sudden it just kind of dwindles, and you just got to come back and restructure uh, uh, the thing, get it back going again. But the greatest need that we have within this church body, number one, yeah, personal revival. Absolutely. I, I believe that for each one of us, that personal revival. But one of the other things is commitment beyond just temporary thing. Those that say, you know what, this is my church home. This is, man, my feet are, are here. My tent pegs are, are driven deep here in this place. Some of you know Fred. He, he usually sits right over here. He, he rides his bicycle. Really nice guy if you haven't met him yet. He came by this afternoon to let me know, hey, pastor, I'm leaving. I'm headed back uh, to Vegas, family back in Vegas. But I just want to let you know that I was leaving and that this church has really meant a lot to me while I've been here. Praise God for Fred's, amen? Because you get both within the same week, sometimes the same day. You know, and you're like, now what church did you go to? So that, that's just the way it is. 
the impact of the body needs to continually be impacting our lives. Why? Because together, that work of the Holy Spirit within our lives becomes mighty and strong, an encouragement for each other. And again, each of us walking in humility, each of us seeking and finding a place to serve. And as believers, we have that great opportunity and we have a great position. Every one of us as believers, we have a great position. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have to remember, though, it's, it's not about us. It's not about any of us. And Paul is so adamant about that. He says in verse 21, he says, Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. They're saying, why are you guys so set on all of these divisions? Why are you so set to say, this is the way that I want it, that's the way I want it? If we walk in humility, if we walk with a real true heart of service and care for one another, you know what? Those things become less and less important in our lives. And the most important thing is that we, as this portion of the greater body of Christ, become open to the work of the Holy Spirit in our individual lives and within the corporate life of this body. Even as Paul says in verse 22, he lists all things. He lists those teachers that seem to be preferred by one person over another there within Corinth. And yet, if you notice, he doesn't list Christ. Remember in chapter 1, he does list Christ. Some of you said, you're of Paul, some of Cephas, some of Apollos, and some of Christ. Well, here, he doesn't list Christ. Why? Because at the end, he says, it's all of Christ. It's all of his. So some of them, you know, maybe out of their arrogance, they were saying, well, you know, It's only Christ that I listen to. I don't listen to worldly teachers. Really? Well, God put worldly teachers. God gave the church teachers and pastors, those to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's that's the plan. That's the purpose of God. That's almost as ignorant as, and I'll use the non-politically correct term, that is almost as ignorant as saying, I read only the red letters. You know what I mean? Some people say, yeah, I only read the words of Jesus. That's all. Well, you are missing the whole entire point. Or even for you and I to say, well, I only read the New Testament. Beloved, you're missing the foundation of what the New Testament is all about. Because God gave us both the Old and the New Testament working together. Again, together, working together as the body of Christ. We have a place, a a portion in the work and in the teaching of Christ here within the local body. He goes on to tell them that within their position, the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. There's nothing that we need to divide out. This is a position that can't be held by any kind of pride. It can't be held by any kind of arrogance. We didn't obtain this position on our own. We didn't get it because of the greatness of who we are. All of this is in and of Christ. You know what that means? That within the body of Christ, there's absolutely no room for arrogance or for pride in anything. I didn't hear very many amens, bud. I don't know. You know, I mean, it just kind of fell flat. There is no room 
at all for that. Why? You gifted in an area? Well, who gave you that gift? God did. You're able to serve in a particular area when others can't serve? Well, who made it available for you to serve? God did. And who are you serving for? You serving for yourself? You serving for the accolades of man? That's all the praise you're going to get then. When you get to heaven, that wood, hay, and stubble, that's what's going to burn. All of this in and of Christ. There's no room for the arrogance, no room for the pride, but you know what? There is great room for rejoicing. Rejoicing in what God is doing in your life and in other lives. And you know, some of the hardest things that you and I can do is rejoice when we see God working in another life. I'm just being honest here, you know. I, it's, sometimes it's easier for me to weep with those that are weeping than to rejoice with those that are rejoicing. Because if I'm not in the mood to rejoice and you're rejoicing, that means I've got to get over myself, okay? I've got to suddenly say, well, you know, it really doesn't matter right now what's going on in my life. I want to rejoice with you in the victory that God is giving you. You see, we can, a lot of times we can be sad with each other, and I can just kind of step out of the joy and be sad with you for a moment. But it's more difficult, and maybe for you it's different, I don't know, but for me. But that's the challenge, isn't it? To realize that we all together, so that we can rejoice with one another, and so that it can, we can, you know, uh, weep with one another. We ought to be so totally thrilled by the fact that we are Christ's, and that Christ is God's. We're not under the rule or the authority of any man at all. Now later on, as I said, he's going to speak about that position or the responsibility of of pastors and elders and leaders within the church. I understand that. But here he gives that overall understanding that we're not under the rule of man. It has to be the Spirit of God. And even when he places, again, spiritual authorities within our lives, pastors or elders or leaders within the body, they better be under the Spirit of God. They better be under the leading and the control of the Spirit of God. Now you can look at a lot of the movements, a lot of the cults that, uh, that survive even today and realize that more often than not they're, they're organizations of uh, authority and this continual power struggle to see who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And do you remember in the Gospels, what was one of the big questions that the apostles continually asked the Lord? Hey, Lord, can I stand on your right side when you get to your kingdom? Hey, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? Uh, I think I'm going to be better than so-and-so because, you know, and, and that even the night of his betrayal in the upper room, as he's breaking bread with him, as he's washing their feet, the same mentality, the same idea. And beloved, is that a struggle in humanity? Absolutely it is. Humility does not come naturally. That's why we've got to depend upon the supernatural work of God. The supernatural work of God. Each surrendered to the Spirit of God. Each one of us surrendered to that Spirit. That Spirit that dwells within us. Each one of us walking in humility among each other, among our brothers and our sisters that are around us. Each of us equipped to serve and to minister in a way that he's called us to serve and to minister in. Why? Because all of us belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. 
God is the ultimate end of it all, even of Christ. And we, as we come together as the church, we are that temple of God. And even as we look at the first phrase of this next chapter, Paul reminds us that although he's called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, he wants to be certain that the church doesn't suddenly place him higher than he ought to be. Look what he says in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the ministry of God. Now, Paul has every right within the human mindset to place himself above others. Why? Because he is an apostle. And there are some areas, as he's writing to the churches, he kind of pulls out the apostle card, okay? And he says, hey, I'm coming to you, and I'm coming to you with an authority, and you need to deal with this situation. But there's so many times that Paul writes, and he says, man, I'm just a prisoner of the Lord. I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And even here, though, he starts out telling the Corinthians, yeah, I am an apostle of the Lord. He also wants them to know that even in the midst of that, he's just a servant. He's a servant of God. He's a servant to the people of God. Beloved, I don't care what position you're in in a church, whether you're a senior pastor over thousands or you're a part-time minister in a little church of 20 or so. The idea in the heart of the leadership is, first of all, to be a servant, a servant to God and a servant to his people. And that's what we need to look at. That's what we need to continue to, to, to strive for, even within the ministry from, I started to say from the top down, but actually, you know what? It's from the top up, you know? It's from leadership on up through the body. It really needs to be that way. He continually, Paul continually speaks of himself as a servant. Only on these few occasions does he call out and speak of his apostleship. But more than anything else, I believe Paul of Tarsus desires to simply be known as a servant of Christ, a steward of the mysteries of God. Now we're going to look into that a little bit later as we get further into uh, 1 Corinthians. But as we look at it here, he says in verse 2, moreover, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful, to be found faithful, faithful to the Lord above all things, but faithful also in service to the body of Christ. And I I don't think that anybody could deny that the Apostle Paul was a guy who not only loved Jesus, but he loved the church. Paul loved the church so much, man, he, he went out and he served, he ministered, he, he started churches, and then he'd go back around and he'd, he'd minister to them. And even when he's in prison, when it was really easy to have a woe is me pity party, Paul is sitting there writing letters to the churches. And you know what? They're letters of encouragement to the churches. He's in chains and he's writing letters of encouragement. I think Paul was a faithful guy. I think he was a faithful guy. That's why he could tell Timothy in 2 Timothy, man, I've run my race. I've finished my course. I've been faithful to what God has called me to do. Required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. You think, well, what do you mean, Paul? You don't judge yourself. You mean you think you could just get away with everything? You're saying, I don't care if you judge me or not. You, you got to understand what the heart and the mind of Paul is. What is he saying here? He says, for I know of nothing against myself. And Paul's not saying I've not sinned and there's, there's no sin ever in my life. Understand what he's saying. 
He says, I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. So Paul says, you know what, you... You can come and you can call me up and say, hey, you want to meet me for breakfast and you can go and and dump all your anger and all your frustration and all the complaints and all the guilt and everything you want on me. But Paul says, you know what? I'm the Lord's and I just want to be found faithful in the Lord. And I believe just as, as I did Tuesday morning with that fellow that was again doing the the dump trick on me. I apologize. I apologize for man, for for failing him, for failing his wife, for whatever we may have said or done within the congregation. And, you know, I don't want to come across, it says, and as a matter of fact, we saw something kind of funny on Facebook. And as an afterthought, I thought, well, yeah, maybe it should. No, but I didn't want to share that. That's just my flesh creeping out. I want to be found before God and before man in a way that's humble, and we ought, all ought to be that way, that when the attack of the enemy comes against you, let God be your defense. And also, let God be your avenger. You know what? He'll do a much better job than you will. And if you and I could just learn to walk humbly before God and before man and be willing to literally and truly live out that humility before him, I believe that God can use us in a much greater way, in a much powerful way. It says, I've shared shared with others that you and I need to be the ones that leave the door open. If someone else wants to close the door, let them close the door. But you and I need to leave the door open. Sort of reconciliation becomes a possibility. You or I don't become the barricade to that reconciliation. Paul says, I don't, I don't know of anything against myself right now, but he who judges me is the Lord. And then I love what he says in verse 5. As a matter of fact, if you write in your Bible, and I encourage you to, circle all of verse 5. He says, therefore, judge nothing before the time. Until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart, then each one's praise will come from God. How easy it is for us to fall into judgment. To judge one another because of what you said on a particular day. How you responded to me at a particular situation. The attitude or the words that I, that I heard you say about how easy it is for us to, to judge one another that way. And yet, none of us know what's going on in the other person's life. Not to the full extent. You come in, you've got a bad attitude, and suddenly, you know, you're not as friendly as you used to be, and, or normally, or you don't shake my hand, and I get all bent out of shape, and say, well, what's wrong with them, man? They used to be friendly. What do they think that I did? What I don't know is, man, you know, you had, a, you had an issue at home today, and it's been absolutely horrible at home, and yet I come in, I expect everything to be the same. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes my day is not the same as it was yesterday, Okay. And sometimes I come and, yeah, I've got weighty things on me or I've got stuff that's happened in my life and my attitude is going to change. I love what he says. Don't judge anything before the time. 
until the Lord comes. Once the Lord comes, he'll reveal all things. And if we could walk in that kind of humility toward each other, you come and you snub me tomorrow, that's okay. Wow, you must be having a bad day. How can I pray with you? Is everything okay? Have I offended you? Have I done anything? Think inside first, okay? That's, that's the best way. The best way to keep the bond together with you and I as believers is to think inside first and then deal in much grace on the outside, judging nothing before it's time. I don't know what's going on in your life this week. You don't know what's going on in my life this week outside of a few things that I told you, but... Uh, Really and truly, we don't understand all that's happening in each other's life. So why do we judge each other and why do we cop attitudes with each other as if we know the whole story? As if we know the insides and the outsides. Because we don't. Don't judge anything before the time. Deal in much grace and in much mercy. And allow the Lord to use you as that minister of reconciliation. We're called to be ministers of reconciliation. And maybe the thing is, maybe the situation is, is you need to be the one with the very open door. Even though they've hurt you, you can be the one with the open door. So that when reconciliation comes, there is that open door that God can work and move through you. When the Lord comes, he's going to be, bring to light the hidden things of darkness. And that doesn't necessarily mean in the other person, does it? That means in each one of our lives, he's going to bring it to light. He's going to reveal the counsel of the hearts. and I think that that's a positive thing. It's kind of hard to see in there, but the hidden things of darkness, I can guarantee you that's a, that's a dark thing. That's, a, that's not a good thing. But reveal the counsels of the hearts. Why was he so nice to me the other day? After all that I've said and done to him, why does he continue to reach out to me? Maybe we won't find out until the Lord comes and realize he deals with a lot of grace because God has dealt a lot of grace in his life. Maybe because she saw in you something that no one else saw. And so she's been praying for you for such a long time. Maybe because he has a greater hope and a greater expectation for your life than you do even in your own life. Then each one's praise will come from God. Let God be your defense. Let God be your avenger. Let God be the reason for your rejoicing. And let your comfort come from him. Because beloved... Everything else is just vanity, just vanity. And it lasts about that long. The praises of men last for about that long. You can't be involved in much of anything without understanding that if you're seeking after the praise of men, you got to realize that'll change. The one that's the star in the office, man, they're getting all the awards. Next week, they can crash and burn just that easily. The one that... You know, gaining all, all the promotions and all these things in just a moment. It can change that easily. Let your reward, let your praise be from the Lord himself. Amen.
As we conclude our time here today on The Open Word, we'd like to thank you for listening. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 1 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us again on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the Open Word with you on the go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound, biblical-based teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at TheOpenWord.com, be sure to click on About for information about the ministry of The Open Word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is TheOpenWord.com. That's all the time we have for today here on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope that you have a blessed day.